So often in our lives, we put our energy and focus on things that don't matter. And that's a problem because then the stuff that really does matter gets pushed to the side. And so I want to talk about this human tendency today because it's very common in a lot of different ways. And we're going to be looking carefully at this gospel reading from John chapter 6 because it actually shows us this tendency playing out. I've titled this sermon, Filled with the Goodness of God. If you'd please pray with me. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. So I was on vacation last week. I missed you. I hope you missed me. Um, But I was in Denver, Colorado for a family reunion, and earlier this week I was flying back from Denver. Now, that's a long flight, and I've got three kids. And to top it all off, I was in the very last row of the airplane. Of course. Of course. So it's me and then my two oldest children and my wife has the baby in a different row. And um, we were about three hours into this flight. Okay. And things were starting to get a little hairy. And then to top it all off, it was lunchtime. And I was hungry, and they were hungry. I wasn't hungry. I was hangry. Have you heard of hangry, where you're hungry and angry at the same time? It all kind of goes together. Yeah. And and so, I don't know if you realize this, but the selections for lunch on an airplane are very poor. Uh, And so if you're hungry on an airplane, you're probably going to still be hungry uh, until that plane lands and you can get to the airport to buy really overpriced food. But so I was trying to figure out, what am I going to eat for lunch? And, and, And what I settled upon was potato chips. They had potato chips in the, in the little armored cart that they march up and down the aisle. So I bought a bag of potato chips. Now, it wasn't like the big bag you get in the stores, but it's still a large bag of potato chips, and it's the best I could do. And when I first started eating the potato chips, I thought I had made a really good choice, right? It tasted good, and I felt myself kind of getting less and less hangry, less and less hungry. It seemed to be working. And I just kept eating the potato chips and like, you know what? This, this is okay. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be all right. And, and then I realized that I had eaten the whole bag of potato chips for lunch. I had a bag of potato chips for lunch. And almost immediately upon finishing that bag of potato chips, I started feeling sick to my stomach. Because that's just not what you have for lunch. It's not going to work. And now, don't worry, right? I had a bag of potato chips for lunch. I started feeling sick. I'm in an airplane at 30,000 feet. There's some pretty bad ways for this story to end. Thankfully, that's not the case. I just didn't feel really good. But what I was amazed by was how quickly this went from being what seemed like a good decision, right? Oh, I'll have potato chips for lunch to something not so good. I feel really sick. It was almost immediate upon finishing that last potato chip. Now, I'm telling you all this because I'm guessing you might have had a similar experience at some point where you just needed to get some food in your body, but you didn't have a lot of good choices. So you ate something that you probably didn't really want to eat. And it seemed like a good idea at the moment, but then almost immediately you were left feeling sick to your stomach, right? For me, it was almost an empty feeling. I was still hungry, but I also didn't feel good. 
there's a reason that this happens for us, right? When you eat a bag of potato chips for lunch or when you have too much dessert or when you eat something that you shouldn't, it's because our bodies recognize when it's being fed vitamins and nutrients or when it's just being fed chemicals and sugar. When you eat a well-balanced diet, your body is taking in all sorts of essential vitamins and nutrients that it needs to function each day. But when you eat a bag of potato chips for lunch, not that I've ever done that, mostly what you're putting in your body isn't even really food. I looked up the ingredients to the potato chips I I ate, right? I filled my body with disodium inosinate, monoglyceride, autolyzed yeast extract, and maltodextrin whatever those are. When you try and fill your body up with all of these hard-to-pronounce chemicals, it leaves you feeling empty and, yeah, sick to your stomach because your body knows it's not getting the vitamins and nutrients it needs. When you just feed your body's chemical, you're left feeling malnutritioned at that moment. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to tell us all that we need to go on a diet and swear off fast food and junk food forever. That wouldn't be any fun. But I'm telling you all of this because I think that so often we are guilty of being spiritually malnutritioned. Our spiritual life, our relationship with God is based around things often that we don't need. We often base our life around things that aren't good for us rather than just focusing on our relationship with Jesus instead. We're left feeling empty. We're left feeling sick to our stomachs, bitter because we filled our life with the things that don't actually matter. Rather than being filled with a relationship with God, filled with the goodness of God's grace, instead we're filled with all sorts of concerns and worries and ideas about where happiness might be found. Let me explain a little bit more. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he told me that his dream is to win the lottery. Anyone else have that dream? I mean, that'd be, that'd be nice, right? But he has it all planned out down to the very cent. He wants to win the Mega Millions jackpot, okay? And then he wants to buy a Mercedes for every year of his life. He was born in 1980, so he wants one from 1980 all the way up through 2018. 38 Mercedes. And then he wants to, this is, this is Admiral, he wants to open a school in his hometown, right? much like LeBron James just did, right? We, we applaud that. That's a good idea. And then he wants to give money to all of his family and relatives so that they can buy Mercedes and open schools in their towns as well. And he's convinced that this will make him happy. That this is all that stands between him and having a life that is full and complete and whole. It's his dream. It's what he wants more than anything else. And maybe it really will make him happy. Maybe if his life is magical and wonderful in the ways that he's dreaming of it. But I don't think that's how it will actually turn out. I also don't think he's actually going to win the lottery. But I didn't have the heart to tell him that. They have done studies that have shown conclusively that money does not buy happiness. If you're really struggling and just scraping by, yes, money can go a long way to alleviating stress and promoting better well-being. But immense sums of money, like winning the lottery, it almost always has the reverse effect. 
People think that money will finally make them happy, but instead it just makes them selfish and suspicious and worried about keeping their money safe. Suddenly they're not sure if people are friends with them just because they like one another or if it's because of their money. And so time and time again, we have found and seen and it's been studied that people who have immense wealth still end up feeling miserable. And it's not just with money. Think of all the times that you've set special circumstances in your life saying that, oh, once I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. Oh, oh, once I'm retired, then I'll be happy. Once I get married, then I'll be happy. Once I lose the weight, once the Eagles win the Super Bowl, then I'll be happy. How's that working out for you, right? We set these far-off goals thinking that this change or that addition will finally make us happy. But in fact, all that we're doing is taking our attention away from the one who can actually bring wholeness and happiness and joy to our lives. We are spiritually malnutritioned. We are filling our lives with all sorts of hopes and dreams and ideas that just leave us feeling empty and sick to our stomach in the end. We're so busy thinking about what's next and what's not here right now that we miss the ways that Jesus is trying to bring wholeness to our life right now. In our gospel reading this morning from John, we see a great example of this dynamic. And it's really subtle. You might have missed it, so I want to give it a close look. Open your pew Bibles, if you would, back up to John chapter 6. Or if you brought your own Bible, great. Pull it up on your phone. John chapter 6, what page is that? Page 85 in the New Testament, forgive me. We're going to look at this slowly. We start at verse 24, which is in the middle of a paragraph. A little background as you're turning your Bibles to that page. What happens previously in chapter 6 is Jesus feeds the 5,000. Very famous story that's present in a lot of the gospel accounts. And so what he did is he took a few fish and a few loaves of bread and fed multitudes of people. And remember, in those days, food wasn't always easy to come by, right? You, you couldn't just go to Acme to pick up dinner for that night. And so there was this incredible miracle for the people, but it was also a free meal. And so just keep that in mind that these people have just had a free meal as we start at verse 24. Read it with me. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Okay, stop real quick. They're looking for Jesus because it's the next day and they're hungry again and they want another free meal. Keep going. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, You are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Stop. Okay. Jesus calls out their behavior. He says it right there. You aren't looking for me because you saw some signs. You want another free meal. I see right through you. I see what you're doing. But he tries to help them redirect this, saying, work and worry about food that gives eternal life, not bread that's going to perish and leave you hungry the next morning. 
Okay, it keeps going. And then they said to him, Oh, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And so they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe? What work are you performing? Okay, stop. This is a great moment. The people ask Jesus what they need to do to have eternal life. And Jesus says simply, believe in me. That's it. Believe. Just believe in the one who was sent. And so then the people respond by saying, well, you're going to need to show us a sign first. I mean, yeah, that feeding of the 5,000, that was one thing. But we're going to need you to prove to us that you're the one God sent. Okay? And then read this next verse. Then they give him a suggestion of a sign to perform. They say, Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. The people suggest to Jesus that he make bread appear from heaven so they can actually believe that he's the one God sent. See, in other words, the people are still thinking about getting some free bread. (laughs) They're still focused on having another meal come to them. Were they even listening to what Jesus was trying to tell them? So, stop there. Reformation, we need to be honest, though. We are the people in this passage. We're the multitudes. No matter how many times we're told about Jesus, the bread of life, coming to earth for our sake, time and time again, we end up focusing on something else altogether. We get so caught up in our big goals and our big dreams and our big hopes. We get so caught up on what we think will make us happy, what we think will feed us and fill us, that we completely miss out on the bread of life being given to us again and again, Sunday after Sunday. It's a case of spiritual malnutrition. We're filling our lives with potato chips and calling it a meal. And all the while, Jesus is trying to invite us to a banquet. I know that it's hard. There's so much noise in this world telling you what you should care about. Telling you that this haircut, vitamin, change in focus, magic formula, new shoes, phone upgrade, electric car, that this will make you happy finally. And it all sounds good when you first hear it. The bag of potato chips tasted good too at first. But it left me feeling empty. And so long as we keep giving ourselves over to these other ideas, we will be left feeling empty as well. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have goals and dreams, but we can't let them consume us. We can't let them become our entire focus. We can't let them be our whole story. Maybe things won't go our way. Maybe it won't work out the way we imagined it. Maybe God's trying to do something different this time and we just need to get out of the way. Rather than focusing on all the ways that we want it to go, We need to turn our control and focus to Jesus. The good book says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Seek the kingdom first. Not your own agenda. Not what the advertisers are telling you to seek. Seek Jesus first, and then everything else falls into place. It's amazing, church, what can happen to your life when you let Jesus be first. Suddenly, you're not worried about all this other stuff. You're not worried about getting the promotion or sticking to your five-year plan. You're not worried about keeping up with the Joneses and having the newest shoe or the newest clothes or the newest phone. You're just here, 
You're present in this moment. You're, you're finally present enough to actually enjoy all that God has given you. Psychologists have found that the happiest people in the world are those who are best at being present in the current moment. They don't worry about what's supposed to come next, and they don't long for the past to return. They're just present and thankful for the right now. Those groups of people chasing Jesus around looking for more free food, they were so focused on the free bread they had yesterday and so concerned with having more bread for their next meal that they completely missed out on the bread of life that was sitting right in front of them. Seek Jesus first, and then everything else falls into place. As unexciting as that might sound, somehow just being with Jesus right now is consistently the best thing you could do. That's part of why I make everyone take a moment of silence when we begin worship each week. So that we can hopefully have this time in worship to just be here with Jesus for an hour. I can't keep us from getting sucked in by all the other ideas and messages that we receive six days of the week. But my hope is that this time we spend together on Sunday, I hope and I pray that we can leave all the other ideas aside and just be nourished by a moment with Jesus. I'd encourage you to try that this week. Take a time to just sit with God and listen. Prayer can often become that other thing that takes us completely off course. Have you ever just stopped to sit, to listen, to not fill it with all of your ideas? I know for me, so often when I pray, it ends up sounding like this. Like, God, I pray for Reformation Church and the people at Reformation. And I pray that it would grow. And I pray that I'd be a good pastor. And I pray that my preaching would get better. And I pray that the budget gets better. And that everyone starts giving more money. And oh my gosh, I got to write a stewardship letter. It spirals off course. I start worrying about everything else rather than just being present with Jesus for that moment. So give it a try. Just a few minutes of silence, of listening and sitting with your Lord, with the bread of life who longs to come to you to nourish you in real and full ways. Just being present with Jesus is all that we need. It's not too complicated And when you really pay attention, just sitting with Jesus is all you need to be filled with the goodness of God again and again and again. Amen.